Well, we've come to the famous seventh seal. And the seventh seal is broken in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. There's a preparatory silence in heaven, anticipating this big moment, this dark moment, where the wrath of God is finally unleashed on an unbelieving and unrepentant world. Today, we look at the seventh seal in Revelation 8 on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part one of Revelation 8, the seventh seal. Now, of course, we have so many verses and connections that the book of Revelation picks up on themes uh, from the Old Testament. This is one of them. We're going to see this later in the book of Revelation, but let's take a look at Isaiah 21, verse 9. 21.9 says, Now behold, here comes a troop of riders, horsemen in, in pairs. And one answered and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, Isaiah 21.9. And all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. O my thresh people and my afflicted of the threshing floor, what I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you. The oracle, which is a heavy message or a weighty message concerning Edom, one keeps calling to me from Seir. Watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? The watchman says, morning comes, but also night. If you would inquire, inquire, and come back again. Now, we'll see this later in the book of Revelation about Babylon, but let's turn over to Revelation 8, and let me just kind of, again, paint with some um, big brushstrokes of what we looked at so far. And as you turn there, let me just point out to you, the first mention of wrath in the book of Revelation is actually found in verse 16 of chapter 6. So just a quick recap, 6.16 says... They said, Revelation 6.16, to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, that's the first mention of wrath in the book of Revelation. For the great day of their wrath, Revelation 6.17, has come. You could translate that is about to commence or occur. And who is able to stand. Now, that is the response to the sixth seal. So you'll notice if you're still in Revelation 6, the sixth seal is broken in verse 12. There's cosmic disturbances. This is the sign or the precursor of the day of the Lord. We talked about a cosmic disturbance where the natural lights no longer uh, shine or give their light. And it's a sign that Jesus is coming. The natural lights go out. We saw that in Matthew 24 and other places in the Old Testament. And the people, as they look at this darkened sky and the sign that the Lord is coming, uh, they cry out. They want to die. They ask for rocks to fall on them. They ask to be hidden, 616, from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. They know the great day of the wrath or their wrath has come or is about to commence. Now, when we saw that, 
we saw an interlude or a pause between the sixth and seventh seals, and two things happened, and I hope you know what they are by now. They are the sealing of the 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes mentioned there, and a great multitude that appears in heaven standing before the throne. They had palm branches in their hands, and they're singing a salvation song. They're an uncountable number. And one of the elders says to John, who are these people? Where did they come from? And John gives the best answer you can give when you don't know. He says, my Lord, you know. And he says, these are they that come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb, right? And they are singing salvation songs to God. So 144,000 sealed. They're Jewish for ownership and protection. The great multitude, a great uncountable number, suddenly in heaven, suddenly before the throne room of God, that happens between the sixth and seventh seal. And then Revelation 8.1, if you pick it up in your Bible, Revelation 8.1 says, and when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And we know at this point in the uh, history of man, if you will, there is still time. There is silence in heaven for about a half an hour. We know in Revelation 6.9, the martyrs underneath the altar say, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you avenge our blood upon those who are on the earth? How long until you avenge us? And they are, say, they are told to rest a little while longer. It's just going to be a little while. How far gone is the night? We saw in Isaiah 21. Well, in this case, there's a little while. There's a short space of time where the judgment of God is about to begin, but before the actual judgment begins, there is going to be a pause, a silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. Now, we do know that we've been seeing a lot of heavenly scenes so far. We've been taken right into the throne room of God. And what have we seen in that throne room? We've, we've seen how long until you avenge our blood. And we've also seen a ton of praise going on. We just saw the great multitude singing songs, singing with a loud voice. But now heaven goes silent. Heaven has a, oh, you might call the calm before the storm. Maybe in some ways it's a stunned silence because the wrath of God is about to come. And even though sometimes when we look at what we call the imprecatory psalms, when the psalm writer's asking for God to judge people and we, we wonder about that and all of that, we, we think, well, you know what? There are times when judgment is, is very appropriate. It's what should happen. But then the reality of the judgment, does it rock you a bit to think of people on the planet who are going to suffer the judgment of God. I mean, we're about to go into a couple of what I would call very ugly and horrific chapters in the book of Revelation. And while we've covered a lot of different things so far in the book, uh, of all the things that we've covered, I have not seen the wrath of God. I've seen Antichrist, I've seen war, famine, pestilence and martyrs those are the first five seals i've seen the cosmic sign the sixth seal we just read about but you could say the first five seals or the four writers of the apocalypse plus martyrdom is what man has always done to man think about it war think about false christ war famine pestilence death it's always existed it's what man has always done to one another 
When Jesus was talking about these subjects, he talked about that these things that you'll see are the beginning of birth pangs. And the beginning, uh, using the metaphor of a woman in labor, uh, they will intensify. And so while these are things that we've always seen, they're going to get worse. Now, we also know that th- the judgment has been held off. For example, if you look at uh, Revelation, oh, where are we at? 7, look at verse 3 for a second. Revelation 7, verse 3 says, Don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Uh, don't bring the judgment yet until the sealing occurs. You're going to see the earth, the sea, and the trees are going to be impacted by the judgment. But don't do it yet. Don't harm them yet until the sealing process takes place. Another evidence that the wrath of God has not begun yet. I will just submit to you, for those of you who are wrestling with your timing of the rapture, if the whole seven seals are the day of the Lord from Seal one and following, why aren't the 144,000 sealed before the first seal is broken? If the seal, the sealing process of the 144,000 is for ownership and protection, so that these people, these 144,000, don't experience the wrath of God, then why weren't they sealed before the first seal is broken? Just think about it. Because I don't think you have God's wrath yet. What I think you do have, though, is persecution and tribulation, which has really been the story of the Jewish people, really since their inception, and it's been the 2,000-year history of the church. In fact, the seed of the church, it's been said, has been the blood of the martyrs. And so this is what we have. But all of a sudden, when we come to Revelation 8.1 and we come to the famous seventh seal, we get silence. Jesus breaks the seventh seal, Revelation 8.1, and there's silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. They go from celebration to silence. They go from lauding and praising the Lord with loud acclamation to a silence. And that tells you that there is times in heaven when silence is appropriate There's times at your house when silence is appropriate. For those of you who have children, times in the car when silence is extremely important. How many of you have taught your children the quiet game? That's a good game to teach them. So, yeah. And there's adults that should be taught that game as well. But anyway, we won't won't go there tonight. Okay, so here's a book. (laughs) Here's a book that you may not have turned to recently, but it's the book of Zephaniah. Would you help your neighbor find the book of Zephaniah? Okay, we're going to look at Zephaniah chapter 1. It's towards the end of the Old Testament, okay? So Zephaniah, you can tell your friends that you studied some passages from Zephaniah tonight as you go out to frozen yogurt. So here you go. Now there's some possibilities of places where the silence idea comes from. Here's one of them, Zephaniah 1 verse 7. Zephaniah 1, verse 7. It says, people are still struggling with it, but here we go. It says, be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated or set apart his guests. Zephaniah 1, 7. There's your silence before the Lord God for what is near. The day of the Lord. Now, I've submitted to you another way of saying the wrath of God is the day of the Lord. I believe these are interchangeable 
phrases or terms. The day of the Lord is the wrath of God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The day of the Lord is the wrath of God. So the silence is before the Lord God. The day of the Lord is near, and the Lord is prepared to sacrifice. Now, if you go down to verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord In it, the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet and battle cry. Against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. And I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood will be poured out like dust. And their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Now in the book of Habakkuk, which is just a few pages backwards, so go towards Genesis. You'll come to a verse, and it's Habakkuk 2. And let's look at verse uh, 20. Habakkuk 2.20 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And then if you look at one more with me, go to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 2. So Zechariah is to your right now. So you've got Zephaniah, you've got Haggai. Zechariah and then Malachi. So that's how the Old Testament ends with the books. Look at chapter 2. Look at the last verse of chapter 2, verse 13 says, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. So you'll notice the mention of silence before the day of the Lord, the mention of the Lord being aroused. We even saw in uh, Zephaniah some sort of offering or sacrifice that's going to take place. And we may have an explanation in the book of Isaiah. One more time to Isaiah 34. So that's back towards Genesis again. Isaiah 34, look at verse 1. Isaiah 34, verse 1. And as you go there, I want to comment on just stuff that's going around in terms of our country and news reports and what we're seeing. So hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, um, you name it, we have the problem of evil. And we're always wrestling with the problem of evil. And I heard an interchange between a phone caller and someone who was doing a call-in show. And the phone caller was saying, you know, how, what do we make of hurricanes and tornadoes? And, and to what do we attribute these problems of evil in weather and stuff like that? You know, I, I understand if someone, a gunman goes and shoots somebody or if someone does something dumb. But, but how, do you, how do you account for the weather 
uh, doing this kind of devastation. And the response was this. We live on a fallen planet. We all know that, right? It's a broken world. The world fell and a curse occurred on the planet. The planet is not what it should be. The, even the natural created order is crying out for its, its makeover, its redemption. So the world and its systems are not what they ought to be. And so hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes are a consequence of a planet that is really under a curse. And it amazes me how well things work most of the time. Would you agree? I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. And you think about even our bodies. Doctors talk about it. it's amazing that our bodies don't break down more than they do because there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And for most of us, we get more concerned about how the outside looks rather than the inside, but the inside is really what matters when you think about how well your body is going to work. But here's the thing. When you, think, when you think about natural disasters, as we call them, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, we can talk about sickness and all these things. We have a planet that is under a curse that is going to experience a renewal and restoration at some point. That's what's ahead of us, a planet that's going to be restored. And so in many ways, when we see these things happening, this may be a little hard for us to take, but in many ways, we have to say it's my fault. Well, what do you mean it's my fault when a hurricane comes? Here's what I mean. It's our fault. It's all of us who are in Adam because basically we brought this upon ourselves, right? Now, I know a lot of you, the first person you want to talk to when you get to heaven is Adam, and I totally understand that. Some of you want to talk to Eve, right? Some of you don't want to just talk. You want to have a stern talking to. But I think theologians have said if we were there, we probably would have done the same thing. And maybe, you know, when we start looking at a broken world and a broken planet, instead of shaking our fists at God, maybe we need to look a little bit more at us. Would you agree? I mean, these are not easy concepts, I will grant you. And the problem of evil is a problem. That's why they categorize it that way. But... It's just something to to contemplate. Now, Isaiah 34 says these words. It says, verse 1, Draw near, O nations, to hear, and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear, and the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation, Isaiah 34, 2, is against all the nations, and his wrath against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain will be thrown out. Their corpses will give off their stench. And the mountains will be drenched with their blood. Now notice the context of this statement. And all the host of heaven will wear away. And the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. We saw that in Revelation 6. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine. Or as one withers from the fig tree. Just take note of it. The current host of heaven will wear away. God's going to remake the heaven and the earth. For my sword is satiated in heaven. This is the sacrifice, I think, that we have. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom and upon the people whom I have devoted to destruction. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is sated with fat, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Edom. And the land of Edom is modern-day Jordan, by the way, which is just to the... Uh, east of Israel. 
Now, if you go back to Revelation 8, we have tied a few scriptures together as we look at this seventh seal or the beginning of the day of the Lord. We've had a, a silence, a uh, uh, anticipatory silence. We've seen some connections in the book of Zephaniah, Zechariah, Habakkuk, silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. And then we see this. I saw the seven angels, Revelation 8, 2, who stand before God. And seven trumpets were given to them. So now we see the seventh seal and we see seven angels. We see the number seven continuing to appear before us. And what we're going to have in chapter eight is four trumpet blasts. If you want the big picture, they are going to be accompanied by judgments that fall on the natural world. The land, the sea, the rivers, the lights in the heavens. We'll have two trumpet blasts in chapter 9 that will affect humanity. And we're going to see these weird-looking locusts, and we're going to see them stinging people. And, and it's, gonna be, it's just one of these weird chapters that you got to just put your seatbelt on. That'll be next time we're together. But before this happens, there's a, an attack on Earth's ecology. Well, that's all we have time for in today's teaching on the seventh seal as we begin Revelation chapter 8. You know, I've been telling you that there's a distinction between the tribulation and the wrath of God, and the seventh seal is the beginning of the wrath of God, and it is radical cataclysmic judgment coming from the hand of God on an unrepentant world. But remember, the church has been raptured, Revelation 7. The 144,000 have been sealed. God's people are not appointed unto wrath. They've been rescued. And now, with the seventh seal, the wrath of God has come. Hey, if you're interested in reviewing some of the teaching on my view of the rapture and the book of Revelation, you can go back and get the teaching from Revelation 6, the seven seals, from Revelation chapter 7, the 144,000 and the great multitude, when you visit walkintruth.com and click on the store tab. There's some other great products up there about different cults and the occult and different teachings that you can avail yourself to or share with a friend. When you click on the store tab at walkintruth.com, visit that today. And remember, when you buy a product, you're partnering with us in the ministry of the gospel and the word of God. Hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and this study in Revelation chapter 8 about the famous seventh seal definitely has some scary stuff in it. But you know, the book of Revelation is a revelation about Jesus Christ and a revelation about what is coming to this world. And it's good motivation both to preach the gospel, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, get saved, because you don't want to face the wrath of God. And one thing that you and I need to remind ourselves of or maybe understand for the first time, is that at the cross, Jesus Christ took the wrath of God for you. That's why there were cataclysmic signs of judgment when he was dying on the cross. Remember, the sky grew dark at noontime. Remember, there was a radical earthquake, which speaks of divine visitation. God was visiting his judgment on his son instead of you. And if you're in the son, if you're in Christ, judgment does not belong to you because it was paid for in full at the cross. Let me just plead with you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, make him your Savior today. Ask him to save you, because Jesus does save from the wrath to come. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Hey, friend, you're invited to our Wednesday night service as we continue to work our way through the book of Job, the problem of evil, and the power of the gospel. You know, many times when you hear the book of Job taught, you hear the first couple of chapters, and then it's a fast forward to the end of the book to hear the end of the story, which is great. But the content in between is Job and his friends or so-called comforters wrestling with the problem of evil, asking deep questions, and Job's friends missing the mark on really every occasion, and Job asking some deep questions about God and how God works. And this is the content that we've been going through on Wednesday nights. So if you'd like to know more, you'd like to get into a good, deep study on the book of Job, you're invited to come on out Wednesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We begin at 7 p.m. You can get information and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for that red logo with the pillars. You'll get all the information you need. In fact, you can listen to some of the past teaching and get up to speed on the book of Job and much, much more. So we invite you out, Living Truth in the City of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights, 1009 Arsenal Way, right off the 91 in Corona. Download that Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store today and come on out and worship with us. Come back on Tuesday for more of this intense teaching about the seventh seal. It's an incredible look at the wrath of God. It's not something that you want to experience. It's not something that you want anybody you know to be part of. That's why we preach the gospel, because Jesus does save us from the wrath to come. And so until next time, may God richly bless you, my friend. We'll see you right back here. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.